0: Welcome to Packrat Media Presents NFT. I'm your host Dr. Jeremy, really excited to get into this episode with you with my special guest Rob PT45. We're going to talk about lottery laws, what that means, and how it is uh, potentially an issue for NFT projects including Top Shot. Uh, so I hope you really enjoy this episode. I enjoyed making it. to quick listen, but it's dense with information. So without further ado, let's get into it with Rob PT45 it's my pleasure to be joined on the guest line for the second time by rob pt45 he's at atlas shrugged 80 in twitter and we're going to talk lottery laws today and uh, i'm before i even get into it i'll allow rob to introduce that rob say hello to the good people it's so nice to have you back man
1: hey jeremy thank you happy to be here again Um,
0: Such a nice episode the last time, like people really liked it. They felt like they learned a lot. I felt like I learned a lot, which is selfishly many of the instances why I have guests on so I can learn from them. And uh, that was no exception. So this topic came up in a Twitter space where we were talking about the potential utility that brands could use for loyalty systems and how it could sort of potentially be tokenized. And you said, I don't mean to be the wet blanket here, but we have to consider lottery laws. So I didn't know what that was at the time, so I'll want you set it up from there, and then we'll we'll start going into
1: yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let me let me give the standard, you know, legal lawyer nerdy disclaimers that I, I can speak generally. I, I can't speak specifically about anything because I'd obviously have to be representing you know a company or a person to speak uh, specifically. But essentially, um, whenever we talk about lottery laws or loot box laws or anything like that, what we're speaking of are companies and brands trying to avoid enabling gambling or setting up lotteries uh, which are illegal in in most states and and, and countries and each state and 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 country may have slightly different rules regulations laws around what constitutes a lottery or what is legal or, or illegal but to to, to to narrow it down to, to a baseline level, a lottery, which is a form of, of gambling, is, is has three components. And this is the, the, the baseline that we'll keep coming back to in this conversation. The three components are there has to be consideration. There has to be some type of money spent for a random chance. That's number two at winning some type of prize with monetary value. That's three. So it's consideration, chance and prize. If you have those three elements, it's a lottery and more than likely it's illegal.
0: Okay, so let's do some in real life examples and you can tell me why it's a lottery or why it's not. The first thing that jumps to mind when you when you think about this, and, and I think I'll know why this is not a lottery before we jump into it, is McDonald's Monopoly. This is like what I remember from my childhood. Now, you had to buy to get, right? Didn't you have to buy something from McDonald's to have an ability to enter Monopoly? So wouldn't that, like, explain this to me
1: sure and, and, and this is a great example because this is what's referred to as a sweepstakes and in a sweepstakes the company the brand the person seeks to eliminate the the consideration aspect of the framework we set up so the the purchasing aspect and you're right you did have to purchase french fries um i i should say you should you you did have to because you technically didn't in the fine print of the monopoly rules there was a little disclaimer that said No purchase necessary. You'll hear those words all the time. And that's those magic words. No purchase necessary are companies trying to avoid the consideration aspect of a lottery. So in addition to buying French fries or buying hamburgers or buying a soda, you could also send an index card to an address that was on the fine print of the McDonald's game. And those people who sent in that index card had the same chance of winning as anybody else. What McDonald's would basically do is they would send the Monopoly pieces to everybody that sent them an index card. And by, by creating this AMOE, alternative method of entry, McDonald's was able to say, this isn't a lottery, it's a sweepstakes, because you don't have to purchase anything. You can purchase. One option to enter is to buy our French fries. But you don't have to. You can send this. And that's what changes it from a lottery to a sweepstakes because there's a no purchase necessary. There's an AMOE involved.
0: Okay. So, so can we then take this to Top Shot? So in Top Shot, right, you – and I guess this is the part that I struggle with, right? Inherent in Top Shot, even if it's just a common pack, I have a chance to get a number one LeBron cereal, which is worth X dollars or I have a chance to get a number of 39,999 Lowry marketing right which is earth very much worth y dollars compared to the x dollars right so how is that not a lottery which which yeah, aspect it, of the three is this one being able to <laughs> to pass on
1: right and you know a little history here is good too because as we do so often in in kind of NFTs in general, but really specifically with Top Shot and other sports collectibles is kind of compare what's happened in the history of the physical card market. And in the late 90s and early 2000s, there were a a number of class action lawsuits against baseball, football, basketball card manufacturers. We're talking companies like Upper Deck, Fleer, Tops. Tops. Yeah. And and what these lawsuits alleged was that these companies, by inserting Chase cards into certain packs. So we're talking autograph cards, cards with pieces of jersey. These cards that were super expensive were being inserted into common packs. People were required to pay to get in. There was a chance you would get one of these Chase cards and um if you it's got gambling one, it was, no right that's that that was the argument from the class action people and what they brought these suits uh were, was under RICO was under racketeering laws oh right that's how, that's how they brought this yeah Christ. exactly
0: <laughs> so it's the sopranos and upper deck together in <laughs> right, this right
1: <but laughs> good exactly God. so the these companies brought these class action lawsuits and you know i could get really into the weeds. we could go through all this discussion but essentially what happened is even though the courts found that they met the three elements we've talked about you had purchase you had chance you had a prize given out at the end even though they met all of the aspects of lottery the plaintiffs had no standing to bring these lawsuits because there was no there was no harm to the people basically and this gets really legal but there was no there was no private cause of action if these companies were doing something wrong it would be up to the government or regulatory bodies to take care of it individual people couldn't sue because they didn't have any standing I and mean, that's that's as simplified as, a, as i can make it there's obviously more stuff so in there so but the key aspect is the courts essentially found that it was technically gambling. It was a lottery system by inserting these chase cards. So I think, and I have, again, I have no way of knowing what Top Shot's lawyers have told them or anything like that. I think one of the ways they're trying to get around that analog looking at the cards is they aren't creating a chase system. They're not saying you open this common pack, you may get a, 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 a cosmic, you, you, you may get a run it back. They're saying you buy a common. You're, you're only getting common cards in there. You buy a rare pack, you're getting your one rare and a certain uh, series of commons. Now, what the secondary market makes of a LeBron versus a Chris Chiosa or a LeBron number one versus a LeBron 267, that's to a certain degree outside of, of Topshop's control. Of their purview, right? Right, exactly. So I, I, now that's not to say that this doesn't make it a lottery. That's just to say it, it's, it's one fact when looking at the totality of the circumstances that Dapper could argue, we aren't operating a lottery because we're not inserting chase cards into these packs. We're making, everybody has the same
0: opportunity when they buy a pack. So can we then stay in Top Shot and say, okay, showcase quest, right? I complete a showcase quest. There has to be purchase necessary for me to get these moments. And then I could, again, I think this is to your point around secondary market not being within their purview or under their locus of control, right? I could get a number one serial for... You know, a, a really valuable reward moment, right? So, is it the same thing that they, that they don't really control the values ascribed by the secondary market? Ergo, it's not something that would be legally deemed a lottery. Well,
1: the first time I saw this come up with relation to Top Shot, and what kind of sent me down this rabbit hole of of looking into some of these laws, because because as I said, you know, I'm I, this stuff interests me as a lawyer, and I understand kind of the framework around it, but I really dug into it after the ben simmons showcase the cool cat showcase you remember that one it was one of the very first ones they did and you had to put us i think there were some dunks involved or something else and you had to have the cards make the showcase and everybody got sent a ben simmons cool cat card yep there was in the fine print of that contest or that quest or whatever they called it at the time the send in an index card and you can get it and i remember going on a few streams um and and talking about this and some people had noticed it and it was kind of a joke like oh so we don't even have to buy these cards or put it together we can just send in this index card and kind of understanding the framework i don't understand why they did it for that one because there was no chance to win with the ben simmons quest everybody who completed that showcase had equal opportunity
0: right now bingo yeah so Okay. So do you have to prove randomization then? Well, like, is that something that Topshot could be held accountable to, to say, you know, it, whether you, whether you deem the secondary market to ascribe these values or not, you know, how to, to make it uh, fair standing for everyone to participate, to benefit equally, do they have to, could they be forced to prove that there's actual randomization in how cereals are chosen, et cetera, things like this?
1: absolutely and
0: and not simply under
1: not simply under lottery laws but also there's a, there's this idea and kind of consumer protection lingo called a udap which is unfair deceptive acts and practices and so if top shot if dapper was found by a regulator to be to claim something was random and it not actually be random yes that could be considered a udap they could be fine they could they could have um regulatory burden placed upon them for, for doing so and you know i, I do want to say something too. Uh, about this idea of we can't control the secondary market forces a lot of the baseball card manufacturers made that argument in their in their cases in the late 90s and early 2000s and what the court said there was even though you don't have complete control of the secondary market you do benefit by making these cards scarcer because you know that the scarcer the cards are so if you manufacture less of them the likely more value they're going to have in the secondary market and that benefits you because more people are going to try to buy the packs to get them so even though there is this kind of tenure continuous connection between the manufacturer and the secondary market that doesn't let them off the hook completely. That's not an answer to your question, but just something that we've talked about. And I want to make that clear that it's not, it's not a get out of jail free card to say, Hey, we we can't control what happens on the secondary market because the baseball card companies tried that and the court didn't buy it.
0: Yeah. And so how does this play out? Then if we, if we leave top shot for a second, and we move toward your regular generative pfp projects what are the sort of implications for a you know a lottery law for a cool cats or you know a board ape where these rarities are inherently more valuable than another there's a rarity table that deems it so so what's this potential impact there you know i it's a, it's a great question i haven't really thought much about it but yeah
1: i mean it, and we even jokingly you hear people when discussing the avatar products the avatar projects i mean you know speaking about well why don't you just buy it on the secondary market and they'll say because i want to get in the mint lottery right we've we even refer to 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 the to the projects as as lotteries and i think you're going to run into those situations you know as we've got smaller smaller companies and smaller artists and you know even teams of two or three people doing this the the facts are going to hinge on each specific scenario but yeah i mean you you're definitely if a company like McDonald's or Chipotle, I think was the example we were using yeah. on the Twitter spaces that day. If they get into something like this, um, th- their cavalcade of lawyers are going to be looking at this before it's ever even done to 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 make sure that, okay, are we making it so that the one of those three elements of lottery isn't <clears throat> met? Are we providing an alternative method of entry? Are we making sure that everybody enters gets the same prize? Um, one of the other things that the, the case law has, has said is that and I've seen some streamers doing this. That that if you if you provide that alternate method of entry, if you say you don't have to buy anything, you don't have to subscribe to my stream, you can still win. But if you do subscribe, I'll give you a few more entries. Even that is not is not kosher. Even that can be deemed a lottery. Um, you everybody has to have an equal opportunity to win. The people who enter free or the people who pay to enter. You you can't kind of offer these these incentives. But there's a lot of stuff like that where we're so early on in the NFTs that whether you you know even completely off topic whether something's a security or not all these things are, are eventually going to make their way through the legal system uh, through court cases case law and everything else to to, to answer some of those questions but I, I i think there's certainly a scenario where certain pfp avatar projects could be considered lotteries
0: that's really really crazy to me uh do you want to give a sort of update on the um, you have to give me the three weird names again uh, <laughs> for the crypto law that that's you know going to be soon to be either passed or rejected or, or whatever but can can you give us an update legally on where sort of things stand as of late with blockchain yep. crypto and then I guess ergo nfts included within that that pot
1: yeah yeah it's it's if I remember correctly it's Wyden Wyden Lummis and Toomey are the three names <laughs> those are our favorite names yeah uh, my favorite but it but it's now sitting in the house and there really hasn't been much movement. There's a lot of, uh, back and forth. And, you know, that kind of, I guess for us, that kind of poison amendment in there that, that enlarges the idea of what a broker is and and could make this entire NFT space, um, tricky. Uh, it, it, it still hasn't passed because the infrastructure bill hasn't passed. So it's kind of, we're, we're still in limbo with that, uh, that that trigger in there that's gonna that's gonna make all of our lives a little more complicated
0: (laughs) and then in, in addition i was listening to a CoinDesk podcast this morning and they were talking about the fact that there's a provision sort of another poison pill within this provision that would require anyone trading a crypto to another private party to have pretty intense personal information about who you're trading with so this would go to nfts as well right i if this thing passed and, and you and I were going to trade uh, cool cats for ETH, I would have to have, I think they're like taxpayer identification number. I can't remember what they said, but they yeah, were yeah. describing that it's basically like, you'd have to have like a record of this and no one's ever going to agree to that. So I don't know how enforceable that, that is, but that obviously would complicate matters even further.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the key, right? That's that's why we have to be careful to not, in, not in, allow our politicians to enlarge the, the definition of brokers or nfts to a degree where you'd be fitting in these type of laws that are that are really more focused on banks and and cash and and not nfts and crypto to, to then have to apply them because the definitions match in some type of false analog that somebody set up so yeah i read that coin desk stuff too and you know it gets back to what we were talking about in the last podcast uh that, that you and i had together jeremy about you know aml and kyc the the, the idea of the government deputizing businesses, private people to collect this type of information to kind of be on the front lines of, of, of money laundering. And uh, that type of collection of personal identification is right in that same ballpark of what we talked about before. And the less our elected officials know and understand about crypto and NFTs, the more kind of scary type regulations we're going to get trying to fit square pegs into round holes.
0: Is there a strong lobbying base on the end of crypto to, to fight against some of these things? And, and who are the major players that would really be pushing hard back against this type of legislation going forward?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a great question and one I don't know the answer to. Uh, I think, um, Jeremy, as you know me pretty well, I'm not a I, I'm one of those. Uh, few lawyers you'll meet that's not afraid to tell you when i when i don't know and frankly i don't i don't have any idea who who the lobbying arms or if there even is a strong lobby pressing on some of these people and and heck i hope there are right (laughs) i mean it's like we we need listening to and i won't name names but listening to the the way that some of these senators and and even the, the folks in the house are talking about this in the um, you know, what, what I've seen on C-SPAN and what I what I see in the articles, it's like some of these people have no idea what they're talking about. And it's like... You know, the how the sausage is made is a lot of the folks in Congress have no idea what they're doing and they rely on external parties to to help them draft the legislation, help them draft the rules. And they're like, let's hope there's people out there that that are doing this. And, then you know, I'm sure there's probably even hopefully people in the in the space that are listening to this right now that might have good insight and uh, get in touch with
0: you. (laughs) I mean, we don't have to go as far as look at how politicians talk about crypto and NFTs. I, I was at. Very famously, a a prominent event in Dubai where they were talking about NFTs and they had experts talking about NFTs and the keynote speaker had a slide up that said NBA top shot basketball trading cards on the Ethereum network. And I can't remember what the third part was, but it was it like brought you well,
1: by Larva Labs, right? Yeah,
0: by Larva Labs. It was like <laughs> wrong, wrong, and wronger. And I was just going, these are the experts, right? So I do think that there's a huge knowledge base with your sort of like average politician. I mean, with your app, for, forget your politician, with just the like average Joe, you know. Um, and and I think that that is going to be part of the challenge that crypto and NFTs are going to face. It's not about NFT winter. I think it's more about the regulatory the tax burdens that are coming and people not understanding sort of what's going on. Um, you know, that when that stuff comes, it will come. And I don't see a world where KYC isn't just like everywhere. Like I just don't see, I I just don't see it. I don't, I don't see you remaining anonymous while purchasing and maybe the KYC lives privately within the marketplace. I don't know, but I just can't imagine that the government's going to let that go for too much longer.
1: No, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And it's, uh, it's that. I'm sorry about that. That's my wife's work line. I like that ringtone quite a bit, actually. <laughs> um, it's, it's what we talked about before, right? It's that kind of push and pull between, between mainstream adoption and, and remaining anonymous. Yeah. yeah. And decentralization it's, it's, it's going to be constant in the forefront. One other thing that, that just hit me that I wanted to say too, about, to make sure I talked about in relation to the top shot and lottery laws is I noticed most recently in the opening night um, giveaway that the, the three by five card that can be sent in the no purchase necessary alternative method of entry uh, was back for that because that's targeting new buyers, right? Like kind of new people to the top shot ecosystem and you buy a pack and you've got a chance to win a trip to opening night they put that language back in there to cover themselves that no purchase necessary. But in, in two recent examples, I went back and looked the, the, the NBA draft night giveaway. I was just going to ask
0: about this in the finals. Did they have Bingo. The
1: those yeah. are two. And they're not in there. I mean, well, I'll tell you the truth. I couldn't find the terms. They may be out there, but I couldn't find the official terms for either the top shot uh, draft night or the top shot finals. But what I noticed, and this may be creative. And again, I'm, I'm speculating here. But in both of those situations, they took a snapshot of what you had and then they announced the contest. So you could not buy anything to get into the contest. You had to have already purchased. And I wonder if that's the way around the no purchase necessary, right? We're, we're doing this random thing where you're going to win a trip to the finals or you're going to win a trip to the draft, but you can't increase your odds of winning by purchasing because we've already taken a snapshot. Yeah. Now, I could see all kinds of arguments where I was arguing against that where I could say, but now that you've set that precedent... I know in the future that I should have these certain things because you may be taking a snapshot and then I, I may purchase things to try to... So but,
0: it's weak at best, right? It, yes. but, but you could see the sort of legal framing for how they would potentially argue against it, right? And I Bingo. guess someone's going to have to argue against it for it to be a thing. Listen, Rob, I want to thank you for coming on. Insightful as always. Without Whether you want to be or not, you are the official NFT chief legal <laughs> correspondent. It's a title that has been forced upon you, but nonetheless... Uh, I just think you're so you're so full of good information, and I also want to highlight uh, there is an article you wrote recently about the OpenSea um, Nate Chastain sort of, uh, of of you know knowledge that he had around projects. I think that's a really good read. I'll put that in the show notes as well. You keep making great content. You're putting a, a lot of good knowledge out there, and I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate that. All right. Well, so we'll have you on again. I'm sure next month. This has become a monthly thing. The legal episode, you know. Perfect. So, uh, yeah, we'll have you back. Thanks so much for joining. Thanks. I want to thank my very special guest Rob PT Forty Five for talking about lottery laws. We're also going to be having on this week my good friend Robert Powers from VideoCoin, and we're going to talk about the future of video NFTs and Web3. Really looking forward to that. Yeah. You can hear my two-year-old in the background. He's very excited to go to bed. We're all excited here on Packbird Media Presents NFT. Without further ado, it's Dr. Jeremy signing off saying take care of yourselves and each other. See you next time. Peace. <laughs>